Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I am your host, Mortz, and I am joined by the second most handsome man in the Shire, Southo Dan. How are you doing, Dan? Very, thank you for the compliment as always, mate. I'm feeling pretty excited for a weekend of football. How about yourself? I, I'm excited for a weekend of football, but... You know, I, I guess we've been so spoilt with Thursday night footy that I don't know what to do with myself on a Thursday night, so I thought I'd better talk to you. It feels awkward, man. The guy that drops me home on the bus every week, we talk about the football for that five minutes. It's the best five minutes of every Thursday. I just I just was lost without it, quite, quite frankly. But uh, this more than makes up for it, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, we're going to do um, a bit of finals talk, and then we're going to name our... Team of the year. Now, I reckon we're going to be a little bit different. You sent me a message saying that you reckon it's going to be very, very close or very similar. I reckon there'll be about seven or eight differences between our side, Daniel. That's fantastic. Well, that's the fun of these sorts of segments, mate. It'd be no fun if we chose the same 17. I have a proposition for you, Terry. I reckon after this, because we're averaging about 15,000 listeners now, I think it's time for a Twitter poll. Both you and I will put up whose side won because, you know, we've got a little bit of different followers. We'll retweet each other. Then we'll add them up at the end, see who wins. Six-pack of beers on the line? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was actually going to put a poll up and say, like, you know, put pictures of the, the teams and then put a poll up so we can both do that. We can both retweet it. Um, I'll drop both the team lists on uh, sharksforever.com and we can see what, what the... Uh, the two or three fans that we have on there have to say about our team. So, yeah, no, that'll be good fun. But before we get into that, we're talking a little bit of finals footy. Now, obviously, after week one, uh, Cronulla Sharks were eliminated and the Newcastle Knights were eliminated. Uh, any surprises from those two gone, Dan? Absolutely not. No. We were never a chance without Sean Johnson. And I was more than happy to see the Knights get bounced. I think they went as far as they were ever going to. And given the last 24 hours, fuck the Knights. Yeah, exactly right. I was... I was waiting for that to get chimed in. Uh, the Parramatta Eels and the Sydney Roosters uh, were not winners in week one and had to play in week two, and both of them were bounced. The Parramatta Eels started strong against the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs and were eventually run down um, by a bit of brilliance all across the park from, from South. So I think they look really good at the moment. Absolutely. This this wasn't a shock given the the way Parramatta sort of limped in and the way the um, the Bunnies have come good over the last month or so. But, I mean, I can't remember the last time that both teams that came back from the like, first and fourth, second and third playoff actually got knocked out in the same week. No, I, it, it got really close in 2017, but again, it was only the fourth-placed Parramatta Eels that were bounced. So, um, yeah, they, ha- they haven't won a finals game, or they've won one of their last seven finals games or something, so... Um, a bit of soul, yeah, a bit of soul searching done there. But I think that the surprise of last weekend was um, just how ordinary the Sydney Roosters looked in in their loss to the Raiders. I think the scoreline flattered them. To be honest, I feel like Canberra were the way better yeah. side for the large majority. Um, mate, what do you make of the Carl Flanagan pylon? Um, I think it's uh, the the thing about the Sydney Roosters is they just don't have patience because. They're always in win-now mode. Um, you know, you have a look in, in 2013. They went out and got Sonny Bill Williams. They went out and got James Maloney. Uh, it was the the last of, you know, Anthony Minicello's um, good, you know, the last of his legs. Uh, they had Roger Tuovasa-Shek on the wing, obviously. So um, they're always in win-now mode. And I think replacing a 34, 35-year-old Hall of Famer with a kid that had only played 14 games and three of those were off the bench, was always going to be a tough ask for them. And I think a lot of people just thought, well, the Roosters would get home anyway because Kyle Flanagan can kick a ball, can run, uh, can support play, and can goal kick. But obviously there was more to um, that halfback role than, than what Cooper Cronk led on. Um, I think the pylon's ridiculous, and I think that the, I think there's something bubbling behind the scenes at the Roosters. I don't think they're going to let Kyle Flanagan go just to promote Sam Walker or Lachlan Lamb. I think the rumours are, are very true about uh, Mitchell Pearce coming back. It looks like it. I think they've definitely got something in the pipeline because, as you said, they're in win-now mode and yeah. they're not going to go backwards because this young Walker kid hasn't got the pedigree that yet that Flanagan's got. He may end up being a better player, you don't know, but he's two or three years away. Um, I, I thought the pylon was absolutely ridiculous. I think the kid played really, really well this season. I think he played above what you can expect for a guy with, as you said, 14 games to his name. Uh, he's almost the highest point scorer. I know that's not always 
indicative of how well you've played. But you got to like Cooper Cronk was never going to be replaced. There's no other Cooper Cronk in this game. The other thing that no one seems to mention is Latrell Mitchell's not there to save their asses. He won two or three games for them last year, and including the Kyle grand final. Including the grand final, Kyle couldn't just throw the ball to Latrell Mitchell because as good as Joey Manu is, and I think it's pretty unanimous as one of the best centers in the world, Latrell Mitchell can break a game open everywhere, and Manu just seems to lack that. He's more of a power runner. So, I mean, I'm glad to see the Roosters go out. It was fun to see their their fans, but he shit themselves. But I wouldn't be blaming Kyle Flanagan. I think he played very, very well all season, considering. Yeah, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head last year, uh, about last season. The Roosters had the two best centres in the competition in, in Joey Manu and Latrell Mitchell. But the golfing class in what Latrell Mitchell can do between him and Manu is just absolutely phenomenal. And you, you only have to have a look last year in the grand final when they needed a big play. They went left. They went to Latrell Mitchell. Do something. They didn't go to Joey Manu. And again on on uh, Friday night when the the raid when the Roosters were playing, they weren't going to Joey Manu's side. They were going to Brett Morris's side. Yes, they, they they're going to a guy who can break the line open, not to Joseph Manu who relies on his power play ten meters out from the line. So, um. Yeah, who who would have known that you know getting rid of one of the best backs in the world and and losing a generational halfback would would turn the Roosters inside out? But let's take nothing away from the Raiders. There, there, the opening to the game that they had Papali and Tarpanay really, really laid the foundation for them. Really laid the foundation. They were incredible. There was someone during the week that said Tarpanay is the best lock in the world. I don't quite agree with that, but he's not far off. He has come so far out of nowhere this year. Papali has missed one tackle in eight weeks. And it's not like this guy is a winger who's making three tackles a game. He's making 30 or 40 a game. He's a freakish, freakish player. He's the one player in origin that worries me from from that end of the tweet. Josh Papali is like nothing I've ever seen before. Like, I remember when Gallon played that incredible state of origin game at front row. It seems like Josh Papali does that every week. Yeah, he's a very similar player. He's elevated his game to a point where if the Canberra Raiders can win a premiership off the back of him, then he'll be up there in the in the elite forward talk of, you know, your Lazaruses and your Arthur Beatsons. He's he's turning into that kind of player. <laughs> Freakish player. I just think Canberra have got everything right this year, except Rapana in the centres worries me, and we'll talk about that a bit later. I, but I think that's a a real issue they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I love their halves. Jack White is just breathing fire at the moment. He's yeah. going to walk into that origin spot at centre, funnily enough. Um, look, I, I enjoyed both games of footy this weekend, but not for a second did I think Parramatta could win, whereas I always thought the Roosters were shot, despite the fact I thought Canberra were the better team on the night. I think that says it all where Parramatta's from. Third probably flattered them a little bit, and they just couldn't lift in the finals, which, I mean, we've been there before. Mm-hmm. And and the the thing that I feel sorry about for Parramatta is they were in both the games. They just didn't have that next level of talent to get them over the line. And, you know, I'm really disappointed with Mitchell Moses this year. I had him as the best halfback in the competition and the Daly M player of the year. And I thought that he would elevate his game even further and get Parramatta that minor premiership. But he just, he didn't step up. He just... It was almost like 2019 Mitchell Moses is, is where he wanted to stay. He did not step up. He did not help Parramatta. The fact that Mr. Average Clint Gutherson was their best player across two games says why Parramatta went out in straight sets. Yeah, quite quite easily their best player too. Mm. Uh, Junior Paulo, another another freakish effort. He'll start for the Blues, I have no doubt. They, they lack both their wingers, but when a winger's winning your games, it says a lot about your middle... So I, I don't know, even if Seabold played, I don't think they're getting through that game. But South Sydney, my God, they were very ordinary about a month ago, or two months ago when they lost to the Bulldogs, I think it was. They were gone. I that, 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 was only, that was only the week before they put 60 on the Roosters, they lost to the Bulldogs. That's it. And I said to a mate at work, I said, Bennett always takes his teams off the break, like off the pedal, a week or two out from the final. So I wouldn't worry too much. But I've got to admit, I thought they'd get bounced in, I thought, you know, they, they wouldn't work on this far, and I wouldn't be surprised if their grand final day, they're just in such yeah. good form at the moment. I, I think out of the the three teams that are left, uh, Souths pose the biggest threat to the Panthers in the fact that they can score points from anywhere. I think I think Melbourne give Penrith the kind of game that they want in the term that'll be 
a bash up the middle, it'll be a grind, and it'll be some individual brilliance from a Cleary, a Luai, or a Munster and Smith. Whereas South Sydney, you know, they can hurt you. Campbell Graham can bust the line. Alex Johnson can score from anywhere. Corey Allen's in a rich vein of form. Adam Reynolds can kick you off the park. Cody Walker's, you know, in form just behind Nathan Cleary is the second best player in the comp at the moment. Oh, second best half in the comp at the moment, I should say. Um, yeah, it's... I, I, th- I think Souths will be the biggest worry to Penrith because they're so unpredictable. You know the Melbourne Storm are going to play a structure. You know the Raiders are going to go four up the guts and then give the ball to White or Williams. But Souths just... They, they play their own game and they play what's in front of them. As funny as this is going to sound, if I'm Penrith, I'd rather play Souths this week off the... Yeah. ...than grand final day. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're coming off a week. They've had a week to look at them and Cleary's pretty pretty smart operator. Bennett gets him to grand final day. I think he wins. That's yeah. how good this South Sydney team are. Yeah, and the, the other thing as well is there's, there's like from the 2014 team, there's not many of those South players left. So it's not as if they've been there and done that, which is making them hungrier. Um, Adam Reynolds is, you know, obviously he's still there. But this South side now, are, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Penrith would be thanking their lucky stars they've got them now and not a week later. See, with Kikau out too, this is that really brings him back. Yeah. He's, he's a freakish. I like I said a month ago when Sias got flogged, I was off him, mm. and I said on zero tackle, I said they're gone. You know, it's a top six or whatever. And then Newcastle went the next week. But um, mate, if they're grand final, their grand final day, I would not be surprised at all, and I'll be very glad because Jesus, Dar Penrith fans talking a lot of shit this week. Yeah, I mean, I really don't want Penrith to win because my mum's a Penrith fan, and I'll never hear the end of it. But I want Penrith to win for my stepdad. Um, you know, because he, he's pretty humble, my stepdad, but you know, my mum, my mum is a lot like me in the fact that, you know, she just loves to let you know about how, how good they're going and how much they're, it's like me on table tennis at the moment. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nearly a hundred days without a loss and I'm letting everyone fucking know about it. Um, whereas my stepdad's kind of like, oh, you know, it's, it's just been a good season. If they don't make the grand final, it's something to be proud of that, you know, that's fucking loser talk, but I hope they win for you. On the flip side, I really want South to win. Uh, one of my really good mates is a South fan, and the captain of our soccer teams, obviously, he's a South fan as well. So, um, and it would just shut my mum up for a little while, and then I won't have to talk to her. So, I'm torn. I'm really torn. Um, but that's not the game I'm looking forward to. I'm really like looking forward to tomorrow night's game between Melbourne and Canberra. That is, that has just got fucking fireworks written all over it. This time of year. Melbourne in a prelim doesn't you know it's something very familiar about this every single year is going to be the year they fall away this is fucking ridiculous next year if Cam Smith retires they, surely it's going to be the year they fall away no, except but, Harry Grant Brandon yeah. Smith come in except Harry so, Grant comes yeah comes into the side this is ridiculous I can't wait for this I I know what kind of game we're going to get on Saturday we're going to get South are going to throw everything at him Penrith are going to try and bash him and get him late Tomorrow night's game, I have no idea what to expect. One team could put 40 on the other. Um, Canberra are a big bogey team of Melbourne, so they got that there. But Melbourne have also had a week off, and no doubt they've been watching all the replays and copping all the shit from Bellamy. I'm just I'm going to have 10 beers ready. I'm going to drink it before the game kicks off. It's going to be fucking incredible. Speaking of beers, they, they interviewed Cam Munster, and they said, you know, you, you your knees come good. You look like you're going to play how did you get it right in two weeks? He's like, I didn't have any beers. And they said, <laughs> they, they said to him like, is, you know, is that a normal thing for you? And he's like, yeah, yeah you know, six to eight beers a night. Like, <laughs> oh, I've hurt my knee. I'm not going to have a beer this week. Fuck me dead. Imagine how good he'd be if he'd stop drinking. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah. Who are your tips for this week, Dan, and why? Look, I think Penrith are just going to be too good. Um, in that they've had the week off, and I think that Cleary's going to have them ready. Scouts are going to come at them early. If they're not 14-0 up, I don't think, I think Penrith just, just come in over the top. I think Canberra beat Melbourne. I don't know why. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to regret that because Melbourne, I mean, are the best front runners in the competition. But Jack Whiten at the moment is on another level, and I just... The Storm, they, they drag you down. If they can't beat you, they drag you down. Canberra possibly the best at that now that the Sharks have given that away, dragging you down and beating your ass. 
then if Melbourne, that's not working, they'll throw it to Addo Carr and they'll they'll spread it and they'll play that ridiculous football. I don't think anyone's better than Canberra at that either. So I, I'm going one upset and I think Canberra beat Melbourne. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Melbourne uh, to beat Canberra, and I'm gonna go the upset the other way. I'm going South Sydney to beat Penrith. Fantastic. I, th- I think. I think the week off. You know, people are saying that Penrith needed a loss going into this. You know, into the finals or whatever. I think the week off is gonna do them more harm than good, and the fact that they don't have Kikau as well. You know, you. There were some players that were interviewed saying that it's only a shorter season, so you need to play as much footy as possible. A buy at this end of the season, maybe it refreshes them, I don't know. But I just think that South Sydney have been able to keep playing. They they, they flogged the Roosters, they flogged the Knights, they, they came back against the Eels. They're rolling at the moment. And the thing that's the advantage for them as well is that Parramatta didn't beat them up. So I think yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's not as it's not like when we had our prelim when we had the week off and Brisbane and the Cowboys played each other and went to Golden Point oh not Golden Point uh, uh, extra time and flogged the fuck out of each other for ninety minutes and we got we got a North Queensland team that had flown to Sydney lost flown back oh sorry had had flown to Sydney won flown to North Queensland won and then came to us you know beaten up so um, yeah I think. Uh, I, th- I think we get away with it. Uh, I think South get away um, with having the the, the the kind of softer draw, but they've been able to build on it. They'll beat Penrith. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling it's definitely going to be one upset this weekend. But, you know, probably Melbourne and Penrith by 40 now that you said that, built it up. Can't wait. This is the most excited I've been for prelims since 2016 because usually you can tell which two teams are going to go through. And 99 times out of 100, you're right. Absolutely. Now let's get into our team of the year, Dan. I think this is a, a little bit, uh, this is a little bit juicy. We're we're actually naming a one to seventeen, um, yes. and we're naming our player of the year and the coach of the year as well. We're not going to give out rookie of the year um, or interchange player or anything like that. We'll leave that to the Daily M Awards. Um, but uh, let's start at the fullback. Who's your fullback, Daniel, and why? So this, this is on form. This isn't who I believe is the best player across the competition, just so we get it out there. And it's only in rounds 1 to 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone for Clint Gutherson. I think he was the best fullback week to week. I don't think he's the best player fullback. I think he's about the third or fourth or maybe fifth best fullback. But this season, I think he was an absolute monster. Parramatta's best player and the best fullback consistently all year. Just above, I had RTS second and Tedesco third. Okay, I didn't have RTS anywhere in the top five for fullbacks this year. Um, I don't, I just don't think he did enough until the season was actually over for them. My fullback of the year I gave to Ryan Poppenhausen. Cool. I was very, very good. I thought, I thought, you know, just from from the level that he took his game this year, um, and the fact that he broke games open, won them for Melbourne. Um, he's the reason they got the week off. He's the reason they came back against Parramatta. And I think in one to twenty, he was he was the best fullback. He was the most entertaining, and he was the best fullback. Definitely most entertaining. Uh, Gutherson had four thousand one hundred and eighty running meters, which was second behind Tedesco, and his kick return meters were three hundred better than Tedesco, who was second. So, you know, ten tries, seventeen try assists. You can tell I've done my homework this week. Okay. I think Gutho was great. I think he plays Origin. I, I would put him at centre. I'd go Crichton with uh, Whiten, but uh, I think he may play at some stage during the uh, the series. Well, Teddy's not going to play, is he? So Teddy? Yeah. Uh, t- possibly. It looks like they ruled him out today, which really, you got to go. Do they go Gutherson? Pippenhausen's the other one that's going to be named. I, so. I am going to pull you up on your metres per game, though. Uh, Clint Gutherson was not second behind uh, two of us, Sheik. Oh, he no, was. Running, he, running yeah, yeah, he, he was. Oh, in, you're talking about total meters. Yeah, in, in meters per game, though, he fell behind Tedesco and Tuivasa-Shek. Um, but yeah, uh, look, Pappenhausen still for slider frame had 3,500 meters at 194 meters per game, which is uh, pretty good. And and he just scored. He scored for fun. Anytime, anytime I turn the TV on, that little prick was scoring a try. So Pappenhausen was more fun. But yeah. um, I'm picking Gutho. Uh, who was your first winger of the year? Okay, normally I would have laughed at myself for picking this, but David Nofaluma, I thought he was majestic in a team that was otherwise fucking dire. 
And, I mean, 17 tries, 118 tackle breaks, which is absolutely ridiculous for a winger. I had a look, and there were other players that I, I did some research on, and they were in the 30s and 40s. He's 118 tackle breaks, 180 metres per game. They finished last without Nafaluma. He was so good for them this year, and I think I don't think he's up to origin because his defence sucks, but in terms of his ability to get over the line, he kept the Tigers in as long as they did this season. Um. I refuse to pick a West Tigers player, so my first winger of the year, uh, again, based on a leap and improvement he made, is Sione Katoa. Sione was very good. Very good. I think he tailed off towards the end, but I um, was definitely not bagging him. He was fantastic. Uh, who's your other winger? Uh, Alex Johnson, mate. I thought, I cannot believe that South were talking about getting rid of him. Like, when they put him at fullback and said, if you don't play well, like, before the child gets back, look for another club. I was like, fucking see, I can't play for Cronulla. Um, unfortunately, you know, five tries against the Roosters, the pip Kyle Felt for the top try scorer, that alone gets him in my team. Yeah, it, no surprise I've gone Alex Johnson as well. I think he's... Uh, he, what, what can you say about the guy? He, he doesn't look like a footballer. He's, he's like Cameron Smith. He looks like an accountant who just hangs out with footballers. And uh, to come away with 20 tries this year, um, after being told for 18 weeks... You've got to go and leave the club that you've idolised your whole life. Yeah, I think he's definitely the winger of the year for me. Um, who's your first centre? Stephen Crichton. I think quite convincingly he was the best centre in the game. I actually looked at his stats and then he had 16 tries, 16 line breaks um, and 7 try assists, which I actually thought were going to be quite a little bit higher than that. But literally, like with Pappenhausen, every time I looked up, this guy's either scoring or running through the line. Yeah, I, I've got Stephen Crichton as uh, my centre as well. And I've got him for centre of the year. Um, and I have him runner-up rookie of the year as well. Um, you know, I, I did my Daly M, or my, my, what I think the Daly M's will be, and I had him second. Um, just here. I don't think he got enough media hype to be the rookie of the year, but I, I think he was definitely the best centre in the competition. Who's your other centre? Um, Zach Lomax. I had Josh Morris at first, but I just couldn't do it. And then I looked at the stats, and Lomax just picked him at, at each and every time. So Lomax was the Dragons' best player by an absolute mile. He and Dufty kept the Dragons in games, and without Zach Lomax, St. Oh God, would have been a horror year for St. George. I was adamant. I sent you what, what positions that I thought we would have different, and I was adamant that you would have Josh Morris over Zach Lomax. I have picked Zach Lomax as well. I, I think I, he was brilliant, and, and the fact that... The, the fact that people were saying he might miss Origin was just, you know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think, um, I, I still think that he's got to be, him and him and Crichton need to be the centres for the Origin team with perhaps Jack White coming off the bench um, or perhaps 5'8 for Jack White. And, um, but yeah, I did. How, how do you leave either one of those guys out of the team? It's very difficult, but I don't think he'll play because they left him out of the original side. Crichton's not been picked yet. There's talk that they're going to go with Gutherson and Whiten. And I wouldn't. I'd be picking a specialist centre because, with all due respect, Queens are going to throw some dog shit centres at us this year. And if you've got the best centre in the game and you've got um, Whiten playing, that's a humongous advantage. Yeah. Uh, who's your 5'8"? When's Sean Johnson, mate? I... I looked at a couple of options. I was going to put Cody Walker, but Johnson played four or five games less than Walker and beat him on all the stats. So it's got to be Johnson. Again, playing in a dog shit team made him look better than it was. But he, I think this was his best year, honestly. And considering what he did at the Warriors, that's pretty ridiculous. He tackled better this year. He kicked better than last year. He had the try assist with 23. 18 force dropouts, and he only played, what, 15 games. That's incredible. And you look at blokes like Keary and Whiten and Walker, they all have magic halfbacks next to them. Johnson doesn't. I mean, I know we give Chad a lot of shit, but he's not in the same class as those three others. And I, I include young Flanagan in that. So I think that makes Johnson all the better, and I think he was the best 5 of the year. I'm going to get some clap back, but I don't give a fuck. He was a magic. I, again, I, I was adamant you were going to go Luke Keery or Cody Walker. I've also gone Sean Johnson as well. I think the fact that he averaged 1.5 try assists a game in a team that many people thought were either going to be bottom four or win a wooden spoon. And I also think as well the fact that 
um, Cooper Cronk, Jamie Soward went, you know, public, used their profile and said, um, you know, if, if it was me, I'd, I'd be dropping Sean Johnson and playing Moylan and Townsend in the halves. And just to watch him elevate his game again. And, yeah, you're right. He tackled better. He attacked better. His goal kicking was a lot better. Um, yeah, he was... De- for mine, I, I know, like, Cody Walker had a magical end to the season. And I think Luke Keary had a good start to the season. But Sean Johnson just seemed to be... Even in losing sides, you could see Sean Johnson was, you know, easily Cronulla's best player. So, I, um, I've definitely got him as our 5'8 for the year. Absolutely. I don't think there'll be any disagreement on this next one, mate. Halfback of the year? I've gone Adam Reynolds. At, oh, well. Really? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I went Nathan Cleary. Absolutely. I, I think this is the easiest, and I think he'll shit the Dalian in, in an absolute canter now that he's not going to lose points for getting suspended for that shitty TikTok. Yeah. I, yeah it's, it, I mean, apart from being the best halfback of the year, I think this is one of the best halfback seasons I can remember for a long, long time, um, you're going back to 2003 Gower, you're going back to 2005-2007 JT. Um, I mean, Cooper Cronk has won a Dally M, but he still hasn't had a season like Nathan Cleary had. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with saying it's 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 a remarkable season from, from young Cleary. And considering what he went through in the preseason, I think it just makes it all the better. Absolutely. I mean, look, we give Maloney a lot of shit because he was involved in the losing trade. But... The kid they replaced him with, Luai, was he's a kid. Yeah. He's a guy that I honestly thought was going to get dropped for Burton. So it's not like Cleary's playing with a magical partner. He's made him better. Um, he's, the, he's the best defensive halfback in the game. I think he's, he's come over the top of um, Pierce quite yeah. convincingly. I think he's the best kicking half in the game. No, just second best. Adam Reynolds. Nah, just behind I'm Adam Reynolds. I'm a huge fan of Reynolds, yeah. but I'm all over Cleary. If I'm ta- paying a guy to take a shot from the sideline, it's Cleary, a conversion. He's just... There was some guy on Twitter last week that said Cody Walker's season's approach is what we saw from Jared Hayne and Ben Barber. He wasn't even the best half this season. It's clearly Brian White. Yeah, uh, it's amazing how three or four good games from a play and you turn around and go, oh, it's, it's Cody Walker's best season. And he's up. I saw I, I saw your retweet about, um, you know, he's up there with the Barber and Hayne season. No, he's up. He's, his last four weeks are probably, you know, approaching on the last four weeks that Jared Hayne had. But Jared Hayne did it from you know, from about round 10 onwards. Cody Walker's done it from about round 17 onwards. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, I think Nathan Cleary is definitely the best defensive half. Um, in terms of kicking, he's right up there with Adam Reynolds in terms of a conversion from the sideline to save my life. If I had to pick between uh, Cleary and Reynolds, I'd, I'd be confident on living. Um, but yeah, he's, the season he's had, mate, and, and how he's just elevated that Penrith team from... You know, they were 11th last year with James Maloney in the side. Um, and you're right, you know, no Maloney. They've, they've got a kid the same age as him. Um, and the other fight, the other half that they were leaning on is younger than, than both of them. So, um, yeah, it's a he, phenomenal season. Absolutely phenomenal season. Uh, who's your first prop? Oh, James Fisher-Harris. I think uh, he went a little bit quiet towards the end of the season, but this guy was an absolute monster, and I can't remember him missing a tackle or giving away a penalty, which is ridiculous considering the props we throw out there every week. Mm-hmm. Um, 180 metres per game, and honestly, that would have been at 200, 210. He took almost two weeks off. He played 26 minutes in one and 40 minutes in another game towards the end of the season as they were resting him to get him right for the finals. I, if he was playing Origin because he's a Kiwi, he can't, he'd be the first prop picked outside of Josh Papali. Yeah, he. I, I, it's no surprise I've got James Fisher-Harris as uh, my prop as well. I think we're going to be pretty similar on the props here. Um, but yeah, James Fisher-Harris, uh, scary human. Scary, scary human. Um, and he's only young as well. And I think I think the platform laid by him and James Tarmo. Now, at the beginning of the year, if you'd said to me that James Tarmo and, and James Fisher-Harris were going to be the catalyst of a team that only lost one game all year. I probably would have laughed at you. They gave away four penalties between them. They hardly dropped the ball. They hardly missed a tackle. I think Fisher-Harris was incredible. And and you can really see Tarmo's leadership has rubbed off on him as well in the way that he plays his footy. Um, no no doubt in my mind as well. He, you know, the, the, I think... Is your other prop Josh Papali? No, it's Junior Pollock. Really? 
I had for Parley that he came on too late. He started the season not not terribly, but you know, I don't remember the last bad game he's ever played. But he was playing. He was relegated on the bench to get a boot, and then he came good after that. But I think Junior Paulo um, was absolutely damaging. And I mean, this guy's got the most fifty-four offloads he had. I think Papali had like twelve. Like Junior Paulo's the best attacking prop in the game. I think he's taken that mantle away. If I'm picking an Australian side tomorrow, it's Papali every day of the week. But on form, I just reckon Paulo was fucking monstrous all season, and I can't remember one bad game. Yeah, I, I mean, the the thing for mine with Paulo is I remember him playing well when Parramatta were doing well, but when Parramatta started losing their games, I don't really remember too much of him. And and just going back to it, when they lost 38-0 to South Sydney, you kind of, you know, where, where were the props there? Whereas even in games I've watched this year when Canberra have lost, Papali's been, you know, he's, he's been one of Canberra's best players. So my other prop was Papali. And I think between Papali and James Fisher-Harris, one of those guys is going to get the prop of the year mantle and the other one's going to feel disappointed because they both have brilliant seasons. I got. I reckon Fisher-Harris walks that in. He's been just monstrous. I picked Fisher-Harris on, on Twitter when I gave my team, my, my daily M team of the year, I picked Fisher-Harris for the prop of the year. Um, I could probably, I, I reckon they'll give it to Papali though. Well, he's in, the, there's five players named, I think, for the players player and it was Tedesco, Papali, Kiri and two, uh, Cleary and one other. Uh, Tedesco, RTS, and I was like, oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger, it was. Yeah, it was. So three of those players, I don't even get their positional awards. So yeah. I know what the fuck games they're watching. Uh, who's your dummy half of the year? On Appy Corsair, um, Damien Cook was very, very good, but he was only good late. His early season was fucking dog shit because I thought when they rewrote the rules, I thought they're rewriting the rules for Damien Cook. And maybe it was an expectation versus reality thing, but he was pretty ordinary until about halfway through. Until that spot about origin where it would normally kick in, then he went ballistic, and over the past three or four weeks, he's been the best hooker in the game by a mile. Uh, but happy, I, happy for me. I'll, I'll disagree with you there, and I've gone uh, the accountant, Cameron Smith, as the best hooker of the year this year. Um, again, he just led Melbourne from the front. He's the catalyst of their attack. Um, he's, you know, the only half, um, well, he's, he's the first player, uh, I mean, in terms of, uh, hookers, he finished top, uh, top of the triasis. The top 10 were made up of, uh, nine halves and Clint Gutherson. Um, yeah, I think, I think Cameron Smith was just incredible this year. And the fact that he's 37 years old, goes out and breaks, it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being that, uh, what's his name, who, oh, he's 43 years old, uh. Tom Brady. Yeah, Barry. Tom Brady. Yeah, Barry McCockett. <laughs> but uh, yeah, every week Cameron Smith, you know, you, you think this has got to be the time he regresses. This has got to be the time that the Storm step back. And, you know, he, he's he's generally got to be the one that Penrith have, uh, have got to be losing sleep over at night if they've got to play them in the grand final because Cam Smith will just know how to pick them apart on the big stage. I don't think you're going to get anyone argue with you with Cam Smith. It's never a bad choice. I just think Coruscant was just that little bit better. Uh, your first, second row? Um, Viliami Kikau, and I don't think it's particularly close. I don't think he's going to win second row of the year, um, but I, I, he was uh, the first one that I picked as well. He had like he, he only made about 100 metres a game. 61 tackle breaks, 21 offloads. Like that, that's pretty good stats, don't get me wrong. Mm. But this is a bloke who could get 200 metres a game, but they've got two monster props that are making all the all the um, the ground and throwing it out wide. If there, there wasn't a stat, I was trying to find something that I could put this on zero tackle with. The amount of defenders kick our tracks is like nothing else. The amount of times he plays the ball and chorus our darts and they've got a three-on-one or a three-on-two down the short side is ludicrous. Like... I'm plugging him straight into that, whichever edge he wants. I think he plays on the left from memory over the next yep. couple of weeks. But he, he's a genius. He's, I, don't, I don't particularly like kick out. I think he dog-shotted Trindle, and I, think, I don't think he'll win Dallium second row of the year either because I think he's going to lose six points for suspension. He might even be ineligible if it's still the two, two strikes you're out. But um, they're going to fucking miss him this week because he, outside of clear, is their biggest weapon. Yeah, the the thing for like I, I have picked Viliami Kikau because he's just a, an enormous monster, and when he's on, he's on. But sometimes I get as frustrated with him as I do with Britton Nakora, and I just don't feel that he does enough at times. 
and you, you you know you can go through a game and go fuck like like the Melbourne game when when they beat Melbourne you're like what's Kickout done this game how has he not done anything then all of a sudden he catches a bomb scores a try and wins the game for him I just I think you need a bit more out of him but he is damaging and and he's you know he's definitely for mine it wasn't a very good year for the back rowers so for mine I, I think he was the second best who's your other second rower I had Tohu Harris. I think he was an absolute genius in a dog ordinary side. And I think Harris walks into any team except the Roosters in a second row position. Yeah, for mine, it was a, a toss-up. Uh, I had I had three back rowers. Uh, the one who missed out for mine was Angus Crichton. Um, so my other second rower as well is Tohu Harris. He was so big. Yeah, he, the most, he played 80 minutes in 14 out of the 20 games, with his lowest of minutes was 61. Yeah, like they, that, That's pretty incredible for a bloke that does so much. And you've got to think, there were rumours going around during the year that Tohu Harris wanted out of the Warriors because of how they treated Stephen Kearney. Um, and he wanted out, you know, he wanted to be in Sydney, and then, you know, the Warriors are saying, well, we're in Sydney for this whole year, and we're potentially going to be in Sydney all of next year as well. Um if he if he does request a release from the Warriors, he's going to have fifteen teams going after him. It's, Absolutely, we, we, without a shadow of the doubt. I I think he's incredible. I think he's incredible. Um, I'd I'd love to get him um, on the right edge for Cronulla and just have a Sean Johnson throw that ball to him. Uh, and who was your lock of the year? I typed Joseph Tapp in his name and oh, had so, to delete it. So did I. I typed jo- I typed I typed Joseph Tapp in <laughs> A and I was like. No, I gave him the Cody Walker treatment. He's only been good for the last four or five weeks. That's exactly it. I actually started, because I'm reading off my zero tackle list, spoiler alert, I started to quote his stats and thought, no, fuck it, it's Tamalolo. Because this guy was in one of the worst teams of all time. This this Cowboys team was disgusting. He averaged almost 100 metres more per game than Tappany, who I think is the second best lock in the game right now. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, I got Jace, uh, Jason Tormalolo as well. Now, he was second in metres per game. Oh, sorry, third in metres per game. And the, the two above him are fullbacks. So, it says, it says it, there were only three players in the NRL <laughs> that averaged over 200 metres a game. And again, two of them were fullbacks. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at uh, Clint Gutherson and Charles Nickel Clocksad. Um, both averaged 190 and 185. For this guy to average 207 metres a game in a forward pack that was beaten every week is just incredible. And it just, it, you know, when, when he went off injured, you could just, the, the Cowboys had nothing. When oh, Yeah, when we played him, it was the Jets versus the Blackhawks. And, you know, he, he, he didn't start that game at all. And... The, the, the mere fact that he didn't start that game, there was never a doubt in my mind that we were going to lose. You know, I, I, I was like, well, no Tamalolo, no party. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's just incredible. For mine, he's the second best forward in the game behind um, Josh Papali. I think Papali's gone above him. Yeah, that's a, that's a bloody good top two. I was, when I was typing this, I went looking for some Twitter stuff. I like to put that in, stir a bit of shit. So many people are saying that Tamalolo had a quiet year. God help us if he doesn't have a quiet year yeah. because those stats are ridiculous. Yeah, I, I and, and I'm going to tell you now, I, I actually typed uh, Tarpany's name in and I felt good about having Tarpany in there until you have a look at what Tamalolo achieved in a team that finished third last. I, I couldn't go past it. I could, I, I just couldn't go past Tamalolo. Absolutely agree. Um, now, we had a... We, we're going to name our bench, and the criteria was they had to have played more games on the bench than what they started. So we can't go and put Tarpanay on the bench, for example, because he only had seven games on the bench this year. So who's your first bench player? Toby Rudolph. Yep, I Undisputed. have. I've got Tobias Rudolph as well, and I think he'll be really hard done by if he doesn't win the interchange player of the year. Absolutely agreed. Um, there's two players that may push him. Yep. Just two. Yep. Who's the other one? Uh, who's your next uh, bench player? Moses Leota. I think he may pip Toby. No, man. If you're talking about Penrith players off the bench, Spencer Lenu. 
I think Leo wasn't it Leota that was having an absolute. He's going to play Origin. Leota, if he plays Origin, Queensland win. He's shit. Oh, I don't know. I think he was pretty freakish. I um, I just have a look at his stats, but um, uh, no, I didn't put any stats. I mustn't have been able to justify that. No, I think he was really good. I'm pretty sure it was Leota. Maybe it was the other bloke. No, I'm, st- I'm sticking white. Fuck you, Leota. Uh, I, I've got Spencer Linu. Uh, the the only other or. Oh. I've still got two players who I think might pip Toby Rudolph. One of them is another shark in CSU for Talakai. I also had Talakai, mate. I was 100% sure. He was, he was freakish. Yeah. He may win it because he played centre a lot too. Yeah. And he played lock and he played front row and he played second row. So he may win it based on the fact that you can throw him in and anywhere. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think old Talakai uh, may pip him as well. And he's just, he's incredible. The, the, the fact that you know, he went up to Suncorp and started a game at centre and won man of the match. And then the following week, he's on the bench and wins man of the match. He was just incredible. We started him at prop in a semi-final against, um, you know, the one of the form forward packs in the competition. He came in at the second row. He came in at lock. He came in at front row. He, pu- he played centre. And, he, you know, I reckon we could have played him at 5'8 or fullback and he would have been brilliant. So, um, yeah. Great season by Talakai. I, I had him as our runner-up player of the year as well. Absolutely. It was really hard to leave Royce Hunt out as well because we had three really, really good bench players. I think we had the best bench across competition this year. Yeah. Just a shame our starters were shit. It's um, right. Who's your other bench player? I went Tino for, la, for Brandon Smith for me, mate. The block of cheese. Yeah, I went Brandon Smith as well. I, I can see them giving it to him because he won it last year as well. And, you know, the fact that he played prop, uh, hooker, back row. Um, but, yeah, he's got to uh, he's got to round off the bench as well. He's incredible. I, I think Tino was fit, but um, I just wanted to make fun. Just wanted to do an Aaron Mullen and make fun of his name. Although I'm not going to go on TV and cry about it. Uh, who's your player of the year, Daniel? Uh, Nathan Cleary. I don't think it's particularly close this year. He nah, was a genius. Yeah. I looked. At, I, his stats weren't as good as I thought they would be, but in terms of those uh, those things you can't measure, I think Cleary was the best player by a fucking a long, long way. Yeah, look, there's 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 not a stat in the competition that shows um, you know kicks finding the grass rather than the fullback on the full, but it just seemed like any time Penrith made it a, a big charge up the guts. He, he wasn't afraid to kick the ball on the third tackle and let the ball bounce around. Um, Daniel was chasing a mosquito or a spider or something in his house. It's actually making for very, very good uh, viewing at the moment. Um, but yeah, for mine, you know, you can't measure what Nathan Cleary did this year. Um, he was incredible. He was very, very good. Sorry, mate. It's just a gigantic fly. Bothering me in my room. Oh, I, I, I said mosquito oh, or spider, so um, it, yeah, was, it was actually a fly. Yeah, I but I'm going to fucking murder it. Um, and who was your coach of the year? I think his dad. Yep. I think it's an all-cleary affair for me. I, I, I've got on here coach of the year, Nathan's dad. That's it. Mate, I can't see how a guy that only lost one game and had a draw can't win coach of the year. I'm seeing a lot of people saying Todd Payton should win it. Todd Payton won five games and lost 12. So, or five, won five games and lost 11, sorry. So, for mine, no. And then Justin Holbrook, I think, is a very good shout. But again, no. Uh, you didn't make the finals and you had a losing record. Um, you know, I think if the if the competition went another five weeks, the Titans probably aren't losing another game. And then you can throw Holbrook's... Uh, name in into the you know there's been some terrible shouts as well. Um, someone said Steve George Arliss, absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I think I think honourable mention Anthony Seabold for what he was able to do at Brisbane. Um, Magic. Yeah, um, I think our coach uh, John Morris playing five hundred and fifty thousand dollars under the salary cap and having to name Chad Townsend uh, seventeen times. Um, is is a pretty fair effort for having a, a your hat in the ring for coach of the year, but uh, no, definitely Nathan's dad. Absolutely, it has to be. I will, I will absolutely laugh. Look, I don't I don't mind the, the the shouts for Peyton because of what he did off the field, but you, you're kidding me. If again they lost one game this yeah. season and it was by what four points or something, and it was so many months ago, I can't even remember. 
If that doesn't win coach of the year, then fuck it, just quit. And and it, it's a fair shout for Nathan Cleary as well to win player of the year, knowing that his coach is going home and plodding his mum. Yeah, it must be difficult <laughs> for him, young <laughs> You You've got to hate that. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I, um, I, I think it's, you know, we, we've given out some awards this year, uh, well, you know, our, our team of the year. Um, it should be Penrith in a whitewash, you know, theoretically. Um, Absolutely. I, I, we definitely think that they've got centre, halfback, uh, James Fisher-Harris and Viliami Kikau as well as player of the year and coach of the year. Um, and, you know, Stephen Crichton for mine, he's up there in the rookie of the year shouts as well. They'll have players for, for interchange player of the year. Uh, Tarmo's a shout for captain of the year. Um, Very much so. Yeah, the fact that he gave away two penalties all year. And his team, his team, his team only lost one game. That's that's leadership. I know people are saying Roger Tuivasa Sheck, but again, for mine, no. You captain of the year. I, I I get that you know they had to stay away from their families or whatever. They also didn't have to travel. They didn't have to travel backwards and forwards. They got the same luxury as other teams in in you know like Sydney teams getting to play. You, know, you don't have to travel that much because you're playing against other Sydney teams. Um. If you wanted to win Captain of the Year, you need to get your team in the finals for one. Yeah, can't disagree with that. I just, this Penrith season has shocked me. Most people had him finishing eighth or less. And I think myself, I think I had him sixth or seventh. I just didn't think after losing Maloney, they could come good. You know, I didn't think Crichton would be that good. I didn't think Maloney would be that good. Yeah, Yeah. no one had Crichton in the team at the beginning of the year. I went went back and found Penrith's um, best one to seventeen. That they had, and it was uh, Dean Fare and Brent Naden were the okay. centres. Uh, Crichton was nowhere to be seen. Um, you know, th- a lot of a lot of people on the Daily Telegraph, NRL.com, City Morning Herald, uh, and myself and yourself on our podcast didn't have them in the top eight. Yeah, I, I don't think that team. You know, you, you're talking Capewell's coming out of nowhere. Kickout's very good. I had Tamau looked gone. He looked shot. Um, Josh Mansour's Josh Josh Mansour's had a, a almost a career best year. That's it. He'll get named in the Origin side. I have no doubt. I don't think he'll play. No, but he'll get named. Like they're just they're freakish. They brought that Toto in. He's been really good. They brought the the Baker and the candlestick maker bloke in. Yep. He scored freakish tries. Won him a game or two. You know, I don't even think they started the the season with their best halfback. In, you know, I mean, five eight in Matt Burton. Yeah. But I mean, fucking, he got that one right. And Luai. This uh, Coruscant, he was done it, man. He was he was a reserve grader. Got dropped for that that guy that went and stabbed the bloke. Like yeah. this uh, this side is just fucking clicked, and I, I can't believe it. If they lift the premiership, it'll be one of those fucking rags to riches stories, big time. Yeah, ab- absolutely, mate. You you've you've said it incredibly there. Um, and and the, the you know there's a, again as as we said, James Tarmo didn't look like that he was going to be much. Uh, looked like he was on his last legs. Um, people saying, oh, you know, but he always does this around a contract year. I don't rate out Isa year, but apparently he's had a good season. Um, yeah, this this Penrith side, I think you've got to give them their credit. And if if Ivan Cleary doesn't win coach of the year from only dropping three points out of 40, oh, I'm done. I'm done. That'd be embarrassing. We forgot Liam Martin too, who was an absolute yeah. up this time last year. Yeah, you're right, Liam, uh, Liam Martin. Um, he may literally play Origin. That's how ridiculously good he's come. He's going to get named in the squad. I have a feeling. I don't think he makes the team. But again, for him to go from a reserve grader who was pretty good at football to now one of the top second rowers, it's just all clicked. And he's so ugly as well, mate. Well, you don't need to be good looking when you're that good at football. The other thing, uh, Dylan Edwards. Um, when he got injured, they had Caleb Aikens uh, fill in for him. And then when he got injured, they had Dane Laurie. Great shout. They, someone named him as the fifth best fullback in the competition in about round eight. And I laughed the guy out of the building. I said he's about the 13th best fullback. I don't, still don't put him top five, but he's not fucking far off. Compared to his season last year, where last year Penrith fans shit themselves when a the high ball went up because he fucking dropped everything. And there was a patch where... He had he had to be dropped from the team because he was so bad. Um, and then you flip that to this year, he's he's been incredible. And there were times where I thought, oh look, you know, any time you take a spine player out of a good side, um, 
you've got to think, well, it's going to hurt them. Man, Penrith did, just did not miss a beat. If someone went out, someone else stepped up. And that's, for mine, that comes down to coaching and it comes down to your leadership. That's it. There's there's two. I, I can't see Tom not getting it. Maybe Cam Smith gets it, but you've talked me into it. Um, look, there was a shout for Kevin Proctor as well, but I think his biting suspension uh, stops that. Hugely. You can't be sitting three weeks out for biting a bloke. Four. Four, four weeks. You can't be sitting four weeks. At least three weeks. Yeah. Um, so, look, uh, a big weekend of finals coming up. We don't know. Dan and I might uh, might miss next week and then just do a, uh, a finals and a grand final um, review and then a preview into next season. Um, but this has been fun. We want to we wanna thank you. We hit a lot of milestones this year. Um, we, we set ourselves a goal for, for listeners. Um, we smashed that. Uh, we got a lot of interaction. We started putting our stuff on, on forums. We started getting some big names. Um, Toby Rudolph will be back for an end-of-season podcast with us. There is another shark coming on the podcast as well. Uh, we won't give any names away at the moment, but um, we'll, we'll have another one. We'll try and get some guests. Obviously, we need to get Matty Elliott before, back on before he goes and, and starts working with the Dragons. Um, and there is someone from the Penrith bubble who will be joining us on a podcast um, in the new year. Um, but until then, Daniel, I will see you next time. Fantastic, mate. And you forgot Origin. It's going to be a good couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't really care about Origin. It's dead to me. <laughs> yeah, this year, of course. <laughs> no, we've won 20 straight. Now it's dead. Good fun, mate. Fuck off, Enjoy Daniel. It. I'll see you next time. Yeah, see you, mate. Kudala, Kudala, Kudala.